Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw, talking about Jesus, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. He adds here, for they were fishermen. Just, just to throw it in there, if you didn't know. They're casting a net. They're fishermen. And then Jesus said to them, follow me. And, and, and Jesus could have, you know, he says, and I will make you. And I will make you. And and. The question's asked, you know, if Jesus could make you into anything, what would he make you into? A lot of us would say um, a, good, a good father, a good student, um, a good person, a holy person. But that's not what he says. He said, if you, if you follow me, the answer here is, is kind of surprising, but it really shows Jesus' agenda right up front. That what his expectations are, and his expectations aren't really a, a list of religious duties that you have to fulfill each and every day that some people uh, would think, no, Jesus said, if you follow me, if you become my follower, then I'm going to make you a fisher of people. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. If you call myself your, my follower, well, you're going to join the fishing team, okay, and we're going to start fishing for people, and I'm making this promise that this month, not only am I going to show you that it's necessary, but also that there's so much joy in it. When we start reaching others for, this, for the cause of Christ, there's so much joy that we can find in it. You'll, you'll find so much fulfillment when you begin to learn how to share your faith with other people and start seeing people turn to Jesus because of the impact that you made. It's, it's really a special thing. Um, last week we talked really big about the why. Why do we fish for people? And we learned that we need to because followers of Jesus fish. That's what, he te- that's what he calls us to do. Heaven and hell are real places that people actually go to. And it's our job as followers of Jesus to reach every single person that we can with this message of hope that's been given to us. So if you missed the message, I would uh, highly encourage you guys to go visit the website this week and listen to last week's message because it's going to really set the stage for where we are for the rest of this month, okay? Uh, Today is going to be a pretty practical message. I'm going to show you a lot of practical steps of how to share your faith. Like last week was a little bit theological, right? Just showing you all throughout the Bible what God says about sharing our faith. And then this week is going to be more practical, all right, next week um, Next week's going to be really critical, though, too. Next week's going to be really critical because I'm going to be sharing um, a really important topic. What do I even say? Like, what, if I'm sharing my faith, what am I supposed to, to say? And, and hopefully this message next week is going to help you guys um, conquer your fears on the subject of sharing your faith. But today... I want to focus on one word that just really keeps showing up in this fishing process. When, G, when, we, when we see about it in the Bible, there's one word that keeps showing up over and over. I'll show you both uh, in, the New Test, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, okay? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3, New King James Version says this, that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise, 
And as you get more godly and more spiritual and more holy, that's what should happen. Not perfection, not, not more spiritual, but, but you're supposed to be a tree of life. You're supposed to be some, somebody that, that you're not perfect, but life is better when you're around. And you bring life into situations that you're going to be a, a tree of life. And, and he who wins souls is this word wise. He who wins souls is wise. And, and I want to talk a, a little bit about that word wise, the wisdom of, of fishing. In, in fact, your message notes today, if you're taking notes, feel free. There's a card there. You can follow along with all the verses that I'm talking about. And I, I encourage you to write down some of these points today. And there's a lot of them. So there's, there's blank on the back. So make sure you're writing down some of these practical steps on the back too. There, wasn't, there was just too much for one page, okay? So um, I want to talk about the, the wisdom of fishing today. It's called fishing wisdom, okay? Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 says this, Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, mean not fighting, not at each other's throats, full of grace, full of understanding, and seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Okay? I want to give you this morning... Three areas where we all, myself included, need to get a little bit more wise. Okay, a little, little fish and wisdom for you this morning. Okay, three, three areas um, for us to be wise in. Number one, our moment. Number one is our moment. We need to be wise in our moment. You may not know this, but, but it's crazy how God can do it. There's seven billion people on this planet and God is constantly working intersections. And, and what do I mean by that? Intersections. Uh, sometimes Christians will call this, even though, it's, even though it's not in the Bible, Christians will call this sometimes that God created divine appointments. Intersections where people will interact and they'll meet. And, and it's completely God set up. In fact, um, this is how God builds his kingdom that he, he builds his kingdom through relational intersections, relational meetings and, and, and appointments that people think that they make, and he's really been the one that's established it. And, and let me show you in the Bible, because all of us need to be a little more uh, wise in knowing that, listen, like not every intersection, but not every relationship is random, there are some of them that are God-ordained relationships that are in your life for a reason. I'll show you. Uh, Psalms chapter 36, verse 23 said, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And then in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord determines their steps. The Lord establishes, he determines their steps. So you, th you think that you set the calendar, but, and you think you've made some, some appointments, but, but God is involved as well. God is determining your steps. Like you're setting the appointment, but God's making sure that things are working out the way that he wants to while you're doing it. So, so if that's the reality, 
And it is, by the way, the, the reality is that God really is the one that establishes every single step that we're taking. He's determining who we're going to run into, where we're going to go. If that's the truth, then we really need to become more aware of these moments that are in our lives. So, if, so we, need, we need to, uh, to start as we go about our day um, becoming, what I, what I like to say, becoming curious about our relationships, just wondering, is there something more to this than what I'm seeing? Is there something more to this relationship? And asking God all throughout, is this one of those relationships that, that is just it's a little extra? There's something there. Because not everyone is, but there are some that God has ordained and God has set up so you can work on his behalf. Here's some, uh, some, some practical steps, okay? This is where you flip the note card over, okay? This, some practical steps in becoming more wise in our moments. You gotta be intentional in relationships. Be intentional in relationships. What if every relationship that you have, what if God was the author of them? What if... What if we were a bit more intentional about where we go to eat lunch today or, or where we go to eat dinner? What if, what if God, actually, don't worry about lunch. We got you covered, okay? Just talking dinner. Don't go to, don't go to lunch. We got food out there for you. But, but what if we were a little more intentional about throughout the week where we're going to lunch and where we're going to dinner? And what if God was to put the server at your table that he wants you to interact with? That would be big, that would be important, that would be something that we need to f focus on. And again, I'm not saying it happens every time, not every single time is this the truth, but, but if we're a bit more intentional and curious about our relationships, you're really going to enjoy those God-given moments, because you're going to search a little bit deeper than what's on the surface. You're going to start kind of digging in a little bit to that, to that server. You might, you, might, you might actually tip them a little bit more, you know what I mean? Like, like you, might not, you might not go out on Sunday. You guys know that servers hate Sundays, right? Because the church crowd's coming in. God, I pray that some of you is never that church. Can you just agree with me on that? Can you just make me a promise that we will never be the church that the server is scared that we're Christians sitting at their table? Okay, anyway, off my rant here. And take your carts back at the grocery store. No, I'm just kidding, y'all. <laughs> I'm just joking, sorry. It's not in my notes. I just made that one up on the fly. You know, I was listening to one of my mentors sometime back and he was talking about how many pastors are up here preaching and they're talking and they're sharing their life and they're talking about sharing their life and their faith and and you know what's really sad is that not all of them are doing it like it's easy to sh to talk to you about you should share your faith you should, but not every one of them are are actually doing that this and he and he said that one of his good friends taught him this that that he keeps a list of, uh, of 10 people at all times that are far from God and, and that he's always praying for. And so he keeps his list because it, it also reminds him that, that every time he interacts with those people to be very intentional in those interactions and in those conversations. And, and that really challenged me. 
And so I don't have, I don't have 10 people, right? But, but I have a list right now of five people that I know personally that are far from God and that I'm in consistent relationship with, that I'm interacting with on a daily basis. And these five people, I call their names out and I lift them up to Jesus every single day because they are far from God. And I want to be more intentional every time I have an interaction with, with these people that I can always be leading them toward Jesus Somehow, I don't have to, you don't have, always have to, to get right to the point and say, and knock on their door, do you know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? You don't have to start like that. But, but I want to make sure that every time that I exit a conversation, that their feet are just a little bit more pointed toward faith than when I, than when I stepped in. So what would that look like, though? Feel free, actually, feel free right now, um, write a name down on your card because some, you should know somebody that is far from God right now unless they're sitting next to you. Don't write their name down. If they're right next to you, you just know it right here. Just don't, don't, don't show them. But what would it look like if, if, if we were to do that and we were to lift them up to Jesus every single day and be more intentional in our interaction with you? So, um, and then what, what do you do? So we're, we're wise about our moments. We're, we're being intentional in our relationships. What's the next step? The next step is you need to find their spiritual spot. You need to find their spiritual spot. So everybody has one of these, um, this place that they're just most sensitive. You guys, and, and, and I'm going to give you a clue here, okay? Um, notice this isn't called a soul spot. This isn't talking about their emotions, this is much more than that. This is, a, this is part of the, the spiritual spot of who they are, what, how they're made up, and, and they're, they're this, there's this longing for something in them. So many times, 99% of the times uh, that, that I would talk to somebody, their spiritual spot is found in their relationships, whether it's with their spouse or about their kids, um, their parents. This is where you're going to find most often where their spiritual spot is. Um, if it's not their family, then it's usually their, their career path um, or their, the job that they're currently in or the job that they hope to be in one day. Like that's where you're going to find it and you can hang out here and you can open the conversation that way and you don't even have to introduce Jesus yet, but you can start talking to them and, and, and finding that spot that they're most sensitive to. And here's what I'm trying to say, okay? You don't have to have a deep discussion about How'd Noah fit all those animals in that ark? You don't have to have an answer to that. You don't have to. Um, or how long has the earth existed? Like that's always a setup question, you know what I mean? That's always a, a dangerous one. You don't have to have the answers to those, but you can say, hey, tell me about your family. I'm interested. How did you guys meet? It's easy. It's really so easy that you can, you can start these conversations, just touch the spiritual spot that they have. And if it's not their family, it's their career. But everybody has this point, this place. That's the, that's the point I'm trying to make. Everybody has that spiritual spot and that place that they're extremely invested and interested in. Okay, And here's what you do next. You add value to them. You add value. You make their life a little bit better. Okay, so another way to say this, find the people, or excuse me, find the needs that they have in their life. Find the needs that they have in their life and then meet them and meet their needs. It's that simple. Find what they're in need of and meet it. And, and, and everybody has needs, okay? Even rich people. 
Even rich people have needs. Every person that every person that thinks they have everything needs something. They've got a need. They need something. So I remember learning about this, this guy. I learned about this guy named uh, Abraham Maslow. Okay, they'll teach you this in psychology. His, this guy's Abraham Maslow, and, and he made this what's called the hierarchy of needs. And it, it started out as five, and it's been upgraded. It's been up, uh, kind of expanded since then to eight. And, and these are eight needs that every single person has in their life. And it's like a pyramid, Okay, and so it's got the, the most essential needs at the bottom and then the peak existence of humanity, like what are their needs found if they're experiencing the, the, like the, the pinnacle of the human experience. And, and Maslow's theory was that people behaved based on those needs, that the needs were actually driving people's behavior. And, and here's an example. You're breathing right now because you have a need to stay alive. It's that simple. And so there's these eight needs really fall into three categories, okay, that I'll, that I'll give you. Um, the first one are the physiological needs. This is like eating, breathing, uh, staying alive, a need for safety, um, a need for a place to sleep tonight. And if someone, this is real simple, if someone you meet doesn't have these needs, don't share Jesus first. Find him a bed first. Get him a meal first. You don't have to jump right in. If someone's, if someone's starving, get them a meal. Jesus fed the people on the hill before he started teaching about um, the, the, the kingdom of God. It's, it's biblical. Take care of people first. Then we have what's called our love or affection needs. We have those, um, and, and these focus around relationships. And, and everybody has the need to feel known and to feel important and to be loved. And all of these center around relationships. Like everybody needs to have that right relationship. Small plug here. This is why we're so excited about small groups. Because they're going uh, to provide for a need in people's lives to have good friendships around them. And so um, these are launching in September, and, but next week and the week after, we're going to be having small group leader training. And anybody, I promise you, if you're sitting in these seats right now, you can lead a small group here at the church. Like, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You just have to have something you love to do, and you love to bring other people along with you. I'm not going to be leading a volleyball group. <sighs> Never again, but I might have friends that will, okay? <laughs> like... Y'all pray for me. I'm a mess, y'all. Sorry. But if you're interested, even interested, you don't even have to sign in blood there. If you're interested in it, show up to one of these trainings next week. It's just, they're only gonna, they're gonna last an hour long next week and then the, the week after. Show up to one of these. You can ask all the questions you have about it, what small groups look like. And I would love for you to be a part of that because you'll never feel more fulfilled in your life than when you're caring and loving other people that are close to you. Then the highest need that we find in our lives is, based on Maslow's theory, um, this is the deepest need in the human heart, and this is the last two of the eight. They center around fulfillment, fulfillment needs. And every one of you in this room, you have a need for significance. You, got, you have a, uh, every person has a need for significance. And no amount of money can give it to you, and no amount of vacations can give it to you. Fulfillment can only come from God. 
He's the only one who can give it to you because he's the one who put the purpose in your life. Let me say it this way. Only the one who gave you purpose and created you can fulfill you. That's it. That's the only way. And so you can't ever be truly, totally fulfilled and leave God out of the process. You can't do it. That's impossible to do. And so that's why if the, if the first two needs are met, you can just talk to him about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says this out of the New Living Translation. I planted the seeds in your heart. Meaning, my work was to give you a, a car or a bed or a meal And Apollos watered it. So Apollos was to give you a relationship, a friendship, to water that seed that's been planted. But it was God who made it grow. There's the stages here. Plant, water, grow. Plant, water, grow. And if we see this and we recognize it, that we have the opportunity to kind of move people down this spiritual line from one need to another, well then listen, you're going to be so much more wise in your moments because you're going to know where people are at and you're going to know what they need next. And so it's not so intimidating to have to share with them because you kind of know, okay, hey, if they need a meal, I'm going to get them a meal. That's the easiest way. Number two, we got to be wise in our manner. In our manner. Everybody in this room has had a mama that said, mind your manners. Mind your, before we go in that room, boy, you better mind your manners. You know, some of the feisty mamas, they get some fire in them. Better mind your manners. But the Bible actually says a lot about our manners. The, the, and whether you notice or not, our manners have a lot to do with how effective we are at this thing called Christianity too. Side note there. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14 says, Let me tell you why you're here. This is your purpose. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in this world. We go, to, go to verse 16 and it says, In the same way, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. How do we be wise in our manner? First step, make things better and brighter. Make things better and brighter. When you step into a room, I sure hope that people are glad you're there and they... They don't let out a sigh because you just stepped in. Make things better and brighter. And you're going to have this opportunity tomorrow. Okay, you're going to have the opportunity. You can, it's Monday, so of course everybody's going to show up to work and they're going to be gloomy and they're going to be in despair and nobody wants to be there and you're going to show up with a big old box of Doe Daddy's Donuts. And I'm serious, just show up. Just show up with this and, and start brightening people's day and, and brighten up people's day and, and put some icing on their face, you know what I mean? Because it's really hard to be upset when you, you got a little glaze around your mouth. You know, I, it's just me, I don't know. But, but start brightening their day. And you don't have to know all the answers to the Bible. You don't have to be able to explain the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You just need to bring some donuts to work. It's that easy. Make things better and brighter. Fishing 101. And once you're there, I want you to understand their world. Now you can circle that, understand their world. Very important. Go ahead and, everybody wants to, 
Um, everybody wants everyone to understand our world, right? Like, you, I want everybody to understand uh, my viewpoints. But, but Amer- and America has just turned into this, this crazy monster that you can't see anything different than, than me or, or um, you just need to see things my way or else. Like, it's just, it's crazy out there. And if you don't agree with me, you hate me and I hate you and, and, and it's just crazy. And as Christians, we can't do that. We can't do that. You need to, we need to understand their world. And, and we need people that say, tell me what it's like to be you. Tell me what it's like to live your life. Like, like you don't even have to agree with their life. Just listen to their story. Just listen to it. And, and, and you can win so many, listen, church, listen to me. You can win so many people just by listening. So stop talking. I heard somebody say, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You can win so many people by listening. And, and so many people have such a negative view of the church. And, and, and what if you just listened? What if you just listened to why they didn't like Christians? Or listened to why they didn't like the idea of church? Chances are you can probably respond, well, no wonder. I wouldn't want I w- I to go there either if, that, if that's how I thought it was. Or, or I wouldn't want to serve God either if that's what I thought he was like. And then you can say, but that's not what the Bible says. There might be people out there, but that's not what the Bible says. You can win so many people just by listening. You've got, you got to understand their world. And then show them unconditional love. Unconditional love. That's one of our family values around the church here is that we want to be a church of unconditional love. I'm going to, and and by the way, this is the same love that we all love to receive, right? Like we love to receive it, but sometimes we don't like to give it so much. What What does this word unconditional love mean? Okay, get ready. This is about to get, this is about to get deep. Okay, get your notes out. It means without condition. Aren't you glad you came to church today so I could teach you something? Glad to have me as a pastor yet. Guys, I'm here for you, okay? All of your deep theological questions, just feel them this way. But this is the kind of love that Jesus showed, the unconditional kind. And this is, there's this, there's this short little man in the Bible. Baptists, you guys know the song, right? Like Zacchaeus was a wee little man and... We little, you guys know the song. You you know it. And, and but they didn't say this, but Zacchaeus was a thief too. That's not in any children's nursery rhyme. Zacchaeus was a thieving little man. A thief little man was he? No, he didn't. They didn't say that. But Jesus, you know, he was a thief. But but Jesus didn't tell him. He's he didn't tell him you're going to hell. You know the two syllable. He you ain't going to you're going to hell. He didn't say you're gonna you're gonna burn the lake of fire. No. You know what, what Jesus did? He invited him to lunch. He said, get down out of that tree and get, come home to lunch. He invited them to lunch and they go to lunch and, and we don't get to read the conversation. There's a little bit of mystery about what happened there, but something happened because when they came out of lunch, listen, Zacchaeus gave half of his possessions to the poor. And then he tells everybody, if I stole from you, I'll pay you back four times what I stole for, from you. And I want you to recognize this. Lunch was first. And then whatever happened there happened. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Guys, this is how I, this is how I formulate my personal ministry to anyone. I become all things to all people so that by all means I might win some. He's saying, Paul's saying, I'm trying to find the common ground. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to connect with them in whatever way I can, and then hopefully I can lead them somewhere down the line to a relationship with Jesus. Our manners matter more than what we say sometimes. Now this next one, we're going to... Uh, we're going to spend a bunch of time on this next week, okay? This next point, so you guys will get familiar with this. But, but I just want to give you a little appetizer today. You guys, a little, app, little appetizer, you know what I mean? Just give you, give you a little nugget to get you all to come back next week. This is point number three. Our message. We need to be wise in our message, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23 says, Again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments on Facebook that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach. Be patient with difficult people. I'll say that one again. Be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. You're like, gently, you know, easy, be patient. So what should I, what should I say then? What should I say? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. First things first, you need to settle in your own heart that Christ Jesus is your Lord. And then always be prepared to give an answer. In Greek, this means always be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Listen, you don't have to have a degree in theology. You just have to have an answer for why you have so much hope. By the way, the answer is Jesus. It's real simple when they start asking that question. But do this, listen, with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. we got to be wise with our message. I like to share this with people. If you come through Pathway, you'll hear me talk about it. If you share the right thing the wrong way, you're the one that's in the wrong Grace and truth came through Jesus and we got a couple together. Grace without truth is heresy and truth without grace is hateful. And you got to couple them together. We got to be wise how we share our message. So what do we do? First, we share the hope that we have. Share the hope that we have. And listen, you don't get here with everybody right away. But this is a real easy one. We share the hope that we have. Let me tell you why I chose to be a Christian. Not even, not even telling them what they need to do. Not even, not even putting it on them, but just saying, this is why I chose to be a Christian. Share the hope that we have. And then, share my church. I want to share my church. 
Guys, I pray every Sunday, please, God, don't let me just talk to a room full of people that see things exactly like I do, that believe everything that I do. Guys, no, I, I pray that God would continue to fill this room with people that don't yet believe in this message that I'm preaching because I truly believe that this message will give them life. And the worst thing in the world would be to stand up here on this stage and continue to say that God can save you to a bunch of people that have been saved for 30 years. Here's my challenge to you. At least once a year, and I'll tell you when's a great time to do it. At least once a year, bring someone, have someone sitting beside you that's completely unchurched or far from God. Just once a year, not too much. You got 52 of them, pick. I'll, I'll tell you some real good ones that you can, that you can come and it'll, it'll really be a one that they, that they enjoy and possibly, you know, we can get them to a relationship in Jesus. Because I'll tell you this, it's such a blessing when you bring that person that's far from God because, you know, when, when, I, when I say every, every head bowed and, and every eye closed, you're, you're sitting beside them and, and you're closed, but then you... You peek one over, you know what I mean? You guys have done it. Don't lie in church. Tell the truth, shame the devil. You just give them a little peek. And, and, and when they raise their hand, there is no greater joy in the world than to see that person that you brought to church with you maybe for the first time, maybe for the fifth time, raise their hand and, and surrender their life to Jesus. And their eternity starts. There's nothing better in the world than that feeling. Guys, I'm going to make it easy for you. We're having that series in November called At the Movies. It's going to be a great time to invite people that don't know Jesus, that are far from God. Because everybody likes to come and watch a movie together, you know what I mean? Everybody likes movies. So share your church. And then finally, share Christ. Share Christ. When the Lord Jesus be with that baby. When, with the people in your life that you begin to share your faith with, there's always going to be a moment and you're going to feel it in the conversation where they're just ready. They're just ready. And you'll know it. It's a natural thing you'll just recognize. And, and actually, it's called a discernment of spirits is what the Bible calls it. It's, the, it's a spiritual gift that God will give us that you can just recognize this moment. And they're ready. They're ready to surrender it all and receive the life that Jesus paid for. So when it comes, don't shy away from it. Lean into it. God is setting it up. Lean in. And we're going to talk in more detail about this next week. And these lights are about to give me a seizure up here. And we're going to talk about this in more detail next week, though, and how exactly you can, you can have this talk with somebody and, and not be intimidated by it. But, but here's something that really helped me, okay? And I'm, I hope it's going to help you because I have, <laughs> I, like to, I would love to say I had, but I still have it. I have this terrible fear of rejection, so some of y'all don't show up for three weeks and I think you've just left my life. You know, just anyway, that's a side note. Come to church, please, and make me feel better. No, just joking. But, but I had this terrible fear of rejection. This really helped me that remember, this is not about you. 
This is not about you. This is whether they accept or reject your invite to church or an invite to a life with Christ has no bearing on if they accept you or reject you as a, fa- as a friend, as a person, or a family member. They're not rejecting you. You don't have to experience that. They're saying no to someone else, not to you. Sharing Christ doesn't have to be complicated. Just meet people where they are. Just meet people where they're at. What are they lacking spiritually? Let Christ be the answer for their lack. Because listen, guys, Jesus is always the answer for our lack. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.